Hey, hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Here today with a special edition episode for everyone. We are so excited. Uh, we have a special guest. We love talking to some special guests. So I'm here today with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, aka the Scam Originator. How you doing today, Claire? I'm great. I'm so excited. We're at this. I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was like, this is our first time talking to someone in this role and it's not the person uh that people usually think of in this role so sorry arnim uh not talking to you today nah but we're definitely talking to an owner we are joined today by colleen here colleen Mayers. how are you doing today hey i'm good thank you guys for having me too i'm a longtime fan of the pod um a a patreon supporter so shout out to you guys yeah and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and thank you for having me uh, Colin Mayers, for people who are still getting adjusted to this new era of Chicago Red Stars ownership, how would you describe yourself and your role with this team moving forward? I am uh, officially an, uh, an investor slash uh, owner, part of the ownership group. Um, myself, along with a few esteemed colleagues, as I'll call them, um, but just great, great human beings, great people who, you know, care about women's soccer, who care about Chicago, um, who care about the club, obviously. And, uh, I think it's, it's the beginning of something amazing. And we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into the, the Chicago Red Stars of it all, but this was, it's, it's been tweeted. It was tweeted out a little while ago, um, that there are some owners that people in Chicago might be familiar with. Can you, can you tell us, kind of give some context as to who you are and why the people of Chicago should kind of know your background going into this? I would say I am best known, maybe famous for, uh, being Chance the Rapper's manager. Um, I started with him almost eight years ago now, actually. Uh, it's been, it's been quite the ride, but, uh, yeah, I'd say that's my claim to fame here, here in Chicago. Um, and also a longtime Red Star supporter. So if I had to put two name plates on my desk, I would say it's a chance in women's soccer for sure. <laughs> You'll love to hear it. Uh, having those connections to the city, right. Are always a, a thing that, the fandom sort of look for. Uh, but in terms of like you and your background, something that's like really intriguing that I don't think many people might know is that you're in general, you're just like, a, you're a Midwest kid. You're a kid with Midwest roots. And I love that connection with the Red Stars because we talk a lot about that, how there's a bunch of hometown kids, a bunch of Midwest uh, kids who come in, players and get looks at in this team. Uh, if you want to tell us a little bit about your background, maybe how you came uh, to call Chicago home. I grew up in Northeast Wisconsin a quaint little place called Appleton, some are familiar with. Uh, but I moved down to Chicago in 2009 to go to college. I went to Columbia College here in Chicago. And I just fell in love with the city. I mean, I, I couldn't see myself leaving or going anywhere else. I did have a short stint in LA for two years or a year and a half, um, but eventually linked back up with Chance and that's what brought me back to the city. And I've been here ever since. And it's it's definitely the, the place that feels like home, for sure. So you guys, you know, in Chance's, Chance's group and, and, you know, you're always moving. You're always hustling. At what point do you also become sort of integrated into Red Stars culture? And how, how did that come on your radar? Was it in college? Was it after college? It's actually kind of, kind of a funny story. So, uh when I, so I played club soccer growing up my whole life, right? And my coach, who I adored, his son actually interned for the Red Stars, I think somewhere around like 2010-ish, maybe. So this is pre-NWSL. Yeah, no, this was like some, some WPS hustle. Wow. Um, yeah, and so I th maybe even before that, because I think I was still in high school. Um, so yeah, so so he was interning for this women's pro team in Chicago, and I knew I wanted to work in music. But part of me was like, man, that's so cool, right? Like to work in the front office of a of a women's pro soccer team. I thought was just 
you know, the, the greatest thing. I thought that was honestly such a cool job that I hadn't even thought of. So it always kind of stayed in the back of my mind, the team for one, and then also just being involved on the business side of the sport, I thought was, was a really cool opportunity. And so I, you know, I went the music route always then, you know, moved to Chicago. Um, I remember, I think the first game, well, I know the first game I went to was at, um, at the college at Benedictine. And I remember there was a, an vegan fest in the parking lot, <laughs> which was so like peak that time. Right. Yep, it was that like, sounds, that sounds exactly right. Yeah. It was like, there's a whole Pro game happening right now like the highest level of women's soccer happening in this country and then also there is a vegan festival happening in the parking lot and uh yeah i just i mean i remember going to that game and just being like this is this is awesome and and a part of the club the club part of soccer that i just felt really drawn to and, and needed to support i mean i think most of us are obviously we've known about the women's national team and, and I was a, you know, I was eight or nine in 99 for the world cup. So, you know, always been watching that, but I think, you know, learning about the, the club sort of world here uh, in the U S was, was super eye opening for me. And I was just beyond excited to, to be able to support and follow and, and uh, watch the watch the success of of Chicago, which is the funny thing is things have changed so much. But when you mentioned like a vegan fest happening uh, during like while a professional soccer game is happening, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like in the 2019 semifinal when there was that like harvest festival happening in the parking lot of SeatGeek. I'm like, wow, as much as things change, well, they just do kind of stay the same, don't they? <laughs> yeah. It, it, exactly. I mean, it's, it, it fits, right? Like I'm, I, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm down for the, for the fest, but, uh, but we'll, we're going to get to a place where there's, there's no room in the parking lot for a vegan fest. So nice. worry. sorry, vegan fest. Nice. You love to hear it. This is the energy that we're here for. Uh, that's so, that's so dope to hear like how far back your personal ties go with, with the team, even if it is just sort of on a very, everybody starts that way, right? They, they kind of fall in love with it, right? With the sport, the team, and then kind of maybe find their place within it uh, from that. So I love that it's going back like all the way to WPS days. Like that's fantastic. That's some real like old school, old G uh, kind of stuff. Um, in terms of, getting into the weeds of, of Red Star stuff uh, officially. Um, kind of staying with that same energy. Um, you know, you said you were a patron and supporter of, of uh, the podcast. So in 2020, uh, we went through we went through it. We all went through it. Everybody went through it in 2020, um, including us here at Southside Trap. We had to kind of shift our content a little bit of how things were looking. And we did, um, we did a Chicago Red Stars, Days of Red Stars past series. We did like a massive rewatch of a lot of <laughs> old games and tough games to watch on, on YouTube streams and stuff like that. So everybody should go check it out. They're still live if you, if you want to see him but we wanted to ask you uh especially now since you've got you gave us the, the timeline of how long you've been invested with this team emotionally uh which era would you say of chicago red star soccer that you really really point at and look at and you're like this is this is the one that i'm always gonna love the most or or, or have the the biggest affection for hmm. that's a tough that's a tough question i would say um Man, I, I will say I have been for a long time and I'm still um, a big Christian Press fan. So I'm going to maybe go with the, with, with the Press era. I feel like those were, those were some, some fun games in there. But um, Yeah, as someone who, who really got into the team during the Press era, I, I vibe with that. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was undeniable, the stuff that she was doing for the Red Stars. You are, yeah. you are talking to two co-hosts who are like, respect the Kristen Press era always. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and like I, growing up, like I was definitely in the, in the nine-ish role, right? So yeah, I think for me, it's like I'm, I'm all kind of an up top fan. No, no shade, no shade to the back line or anything. No, no. But no. I'm, a, I'm, I'm definitely a forward, forward fan, striker fan over here. 
It is funny how, how, you know, obviously Chicago is like known for their defense. And so that's just like a a given, but I do think you talk to a lot of people who got into the team, whether it was then or whether it was during like the Sam Kerr years. And they can just be like, it was that, like, you can just talk by striker. You're like, it was during, it was during press or it was during Kerr. And that seems to be a common through line for people with the team as well. So our next question was going to ask if you had a particular player that you were like, that is the player that gets me super hyped for this team. Would you say that's press or maybe we're going to, let's take press out of it non-Kristen Press player where you're like, that's a cool red star. Man, I feel like they're all cool. That's that's no, part that's of the, the reason problem. I I wanted to like be involved so bad is I was like, man, this team is consistently top tier, right? Like from every player to the staff to like it's just to me an organization that one exemplifies what I love about Chicago, which I think is real down to earth people who work hard and are achievers and maybe get looked over sometimes. Like, I think that's a very Chicago thing, right? Like people think of New York, they think of LA, um, but we're kind of in here in the middle, just doing our thing, like consistently delivering. Um, So I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I mean, I think some of what has happened, um, you know, between fall series and now, um, you know, with Mal Pugh, with Sarah Waldmore, I think like that stuff to me is, uh, it's just exciting new pieces to an already spicy recipe, right? Like it's, I think it's only going to be, um, it's only going to be better, better soccer, you know, fun to watch. Um, I think no, no time like the present, you know? Is there, um, with all the connections that you have with this team and, and getting out to games, actually, right? Is there a, a favorite game that resonates with you that you've taken in? Probably the semifinal. I mean, that one was pretty come good. On. Yeah. You can't, like, you, I, yeah. I mean, till, till, till we have like a, a home championship, you know? I don't know if we'll, I, I have, I don't know if I could top that yet, but uh, yeah, that game was wild. Speaking of 2019, though, <laughs> staying and staying in 2019, we wanted to we wanted to bring this up because <laughs> we have a fond memory of this. But we wanted to shout out the game that <laughs> you made it out to, and you you brought along Chance with you to the game, and it was against the Orlando Pride. It was, and uh, the team just went ahead and just <laughs> did what they did in front of Chance the rapper. Man, they went and they lost that Orlando Pride. That game. is a piece. That is a piece of Red Stars history. Is the game that Chance came to and they lost to the Orlando Pride. <laughs> I know, it was tough. It was also my birthday party, so extra tough uh, for me personally. Yeah, I uh, so I got a, I got a suite and brought like fifteen of my closest friends. And, you know, we were living it up and getting them all hyped and on board. And uh, unfortunately, didn't go our way. But uh, I, I think everyone had a good time. Uh, you know, it, it was it was it was really fun. A great way to celebrate a birthday. And uh, Chance loved it. So wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, in line for chicken tenders again soon. <laughs> nice. I, lo- I remember uh, us covering that game and being in the, in the press box and we were like <laughs> the Chicago in us, like kind of jumped out a little bit. And we were like, Oh my God, this team is doing this. This is what they're doing. And they're doing it in front of chance. They're doing it. In front of- it's like, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was all good. Honestly, it was, it was just cool to have, um, you know, have, have my people out at, at a game it was a wednesday night game too yeah, i'm pretty sure yeah. so it was you know it was like a bit odd schedule wise anyway but uh no it was it was amazing and uh i have no doubt this summer on my birthday that we will be victorious pride Absolutely. or not Absolutely. oh yeah um so this is this is maybe a stretch but i am curious um especially we're gonna probably turn into a little bit more of the functional business stuff because i'm really eager i just want to talk nwsl with you this is not even just necessarily about you know the ownership but um you know 
a big part of you guys working with Chance is this idea of the independent and what you are able to do as an independent person who isn't tied to kind of the larger machine. Um, and that's kind of been Chicago's deal a lot in terms of the NWSL or even the NWSL on its own, not really attached to a larger, a larger structure, but that gives them maneuverability and that's kind of exciting in its own way. And so I kind of wondered if in terms of using that, that kind of part of your brain, switching that over to sports is that something that you've thought about at all or is that something that maybe made this kind of a draw for you in some ways yeah absolutely I mean I think I it kind of lined up perfectly right that I happened to call home a place that also has an independent team it was very on brand for me personally and I totally think there's there's crossover for sure. I mean, what we always say with the chance stuff is, you know, we're essentially operating a small business on a large scale in certain areas, right? And so running it that way, I think the team is very similar. And while in this time, we're in a very much a growth mindset and sort of this growth opportunity and state at its core, right? It's like a family business, right? Like a small, small business where each person has a role. What they do is extremely important from, you know, everyone in the front office to the players, to the coaching staff, to us as the owners and and people who have invested in the team. And I think that's a unique opportunity that you don't necessarily get when you have a layer on top of that that has a hand in what you're doing or how you say what you say or what decisions you can make. Um, I think the ability to maneuver and sort of pivot what, whatever direction you want to go without having to check in with, you know, someone above you or um, someone who may have a different agenda than you. You know, I, I think they're, are clearly differences between men's and women's soccer in this country, right? And rightfully so, like each one deserves their own lane. And so, you know, I think it's just, an, to me, it's an advantage to be independent, to be able to move freely um, as a club without having to check in or worry about any other businesses as well. You know, like if you have two hands and you have to make sure both are supported, we're over here. We got everything. We know we're holding on to everything ourselves. There's there's nothing else that we're worried about other than the success of this Red Stars team and organization. You know, NWSL. Just to speak, I just want to like we're gonna broaden this a little bit just to talk about the league in general and NWSL in general because you're you're somebody who who loves women's soccer. You know, you're somebody who knows the league, has followed it you know, from Chicago. Um, and the league is in a, we talk about this a lot on this podcast is that it's in a very unique uh, position right now, especially coming off of, off of the year that it just went through. So I think it would be really good to just hear your general thoughts about the things that you think that are going well right now with the league. Um, maybe some things that you think could be done better. Where, where do you see things headed and, and where would you like to see things go? I think there's a lot of there's a lot of really good things. I mean, the Challenge Cup to me was such a success in in an area where there was seemingly so much room for failure, right? Like all of these roadblocks from COVID to the the way that the tournament itself was kind of set up in the bubble and like everything that was happening, I think it was such a testament to Lisa and her whole team and the way that that was able to be executed all the way down through, you know, each organization and each group of players. Um, I think that was to me really reassuring that everyone in this league is putting forth a hundred percent effort to make this happen. Right. And not only make it happen, but have it continue to grow in a space and time when so many things in our everyday life were shrinking or shutting down or closing permanently. I think it was, you know, 
it didn't seem like an opportunity for something great to happen, but that's kind of, to me, how the league approached it and were successful, which I think is awesome. And, you know, how you react in times of absolute catastrophe, I think is a testament to, you know, character. It's a testament to your work ethic and what, you know, what ultimately you're willing to push for. So that was super encouraging to me. Also the fall series, I think was really a really cool way to kind of continue that momentum. Um, I mean, nobody wants last year to happen again ever. I think all of us feel that way, right? Like it was just terrible, but I feel like the best was made of, of an awful situation in so many ways. Um, I think on an improvement side, I think there can always be more transparency. I think that's something that I hear from fans, from people like you guys, whose voices I, you know, listen to and trust. Um, you know, I think that's, there's, a sense of accountability, I think, in women's soccer that maybe is more unique than other professional sports. I'll, I'll put the WNBA in there as well because I want to give them credit for everything they do. I think they're the most similar in terms of what they expect from the organizations, from the league, from the ownership, um, from the fans. Like, I think there's – it's something that is unique to – these leagues. And I think that is important and needs to be fostered, right? It's not something that we can ignore or pretend like doesn't exist. So for me, I think, you know, just more transparency in, in things that are going on because the fans are super invested and they want information and they want to know more. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, the league is successful because of support. And how do we grow that support? I think, you know, transparency and just open communication with, with what's happening is, is important in that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one, I'm going back, I'm going back to a favorite because this one just popped into my head, a favorite Chicago thing. And this one, this one I think is a little bit easier because we're not talking people. We're not talking, we're not talking team. Do you have a favorite Chicago Red Stars jersey? Ooh, man, you guys got the heaters for me. <laughs> I didn't prep for any of this either, so I'm like digging back in my I know, trying to remember anything. Yeah. I mean, okay, this might sound like a cop out, but I promise it's not. The neighborhood kit, because this is super recent, obviously, but I would even say. The last two years, honestly, like something, something changed, right? Like it went from cool to like, you know, you think of uh, jerseys and, and kits to me are so, can be so iconic, right? And I think of like, even around the world, like different either national teams or clubs that have become, you know, it's like the thing where you see people wearing it who don't, could not tell you a player on the team, right? Like that's there's certain teams that have reached that iconic status with their Jersey. Uh, to me, those two were in that, were, were in that sphere. Right. And I think the goal is when you have that demand and when you have something so hot, we just need to get more to more people. Um, and that's something that, you know, on a, that we've talked about on an ownership level, like how do we deliver to fans what they want? I mean, clearly both of those, jerseys were so well received and not only by red stars fans, right? Like I saw praise across the league and I think ultimately it ended up having other teams look at what they were doing. Right. And say, damn, we need to step up. Like Chicago's out here killing us with these jerseys, not only one year, but like year after year. So how do we, up our game, which I think only, you know, it's only going to make for better fashion in, in the league, which I'm here for. I'm all about. No, I agree. I think you hit, um, I think you hit a couple good points. I mean, it, it was, the Red Stars kits have been unique in the sense where it's like uh, they have their crest, right? But they're also the Red Stars. So, like, there was always that, con like, the concept of having the actual, right, like, Chicago Red Stars, like, 
on incorporated some way in in their kit um and they kind of did things like you know regular stripes or regular bars and stuff like that um but to sort of see like the the creativity uh kind of come to light with the customizations that you're able to do with nike now um yeah they've definitely taken it to the next level so there's no shame in like selecting the most recent kits i mean they're they're pretty bomb so it's uh it's all good staying staying on the red star stuff though claire Oh, I was just going to say, I think also, I thought that was an interesting what you were saying as well about the idea of, of neutrals too, because I think a really particularly interesting thing about the NWSL is it's growing, but for a long time it had 10 teams, nine teams, eight teams, nine teams, now 10 teams again. Um, and so there are a lot of people who do not live in a city with an NWSL team. So they are living through this online, through social media, they're buying kits, they're, they're supporting from, you know, not even necessarily where, um, where the team is. And I think also this was something that Meg Linehan said on her podcast this week. I was like, that's such a good point is also the NWSL wanting to grow a global brand, which is kind of a unique opportunity too. Um, because you see global soccer is a global sport, right? But um, America is not traditionally a huge export of that. And so the idea of that happening on the club level, um, and I guess I just was curious kind of taking that thread and pulling it a little bit. Um, I know Chicago has always done a balance of trying to not only be present online, talk to fans who are not in the city, but it's also very important to talk to the fans that are in your city and reaching more people from the Chicago area. And that's something that Chicago has done well with in the past, but also had some struggles with in, you know, is this, is this a suburban team? Is this a team that's really pushing to get in the city more? And I wondered if you had a perspective on as an, as part of the ownership group coming in as an owner, what the vision is for trying to make, I mean, they're already Chicago's team, but how can you make that even more true on the local level? Do you think? I think for one part that that's part of why the ownership group was expanded, right? It was to really bring in, I mean, definitely a more diverse and that came from Arnhem himself. Right. I mean, when he reached out to me back, in, I don't know if it was July or something last summer, um, his message was very much the future of the club needed to be more diverse uh, from the ownership group, needed to be more diverse and needed to represent the city, right? Not, not the suburbs, not, I mean, the, the city of Chicago as a whole. Um, I don't want to throw shade on the suburbs because we love the suburbs, but it needed to represent everyone, suburbs included. That's all I'll say that, right? So the Chicago part of Chicago land. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. If you're the Chicago Red Stars, right? We we need Chicago in there and and we need to have people at the table that represent all parts of that community. Um, and I so I think that's one way that the team, you know, and the organization in the future is striving to be more Chicago, right? Like, I think that's a, that's a huge piece. And with that, I think the people that are coming in using their networks, right? Like my network, my connections, um, as well as, you know, some of the other owners who are based here that, you know, how can we do more Red Star stuff in the city, right? What opportunities are there? to bring more people out to Bridgeview, but also how can we activate within the city to really tap into the, the community exists, right? So it's how do we give people, how do we give the community more places to be the Red Stars other than just that Bridgeview? So I think that's something that is definitely, you know, top of the list is, is just expanding the reach beyond game day um, to, to be more of a city team, for sure. You've had to wear uh, many hats, I'm sure, in the industry that you are coming from and now being a part of, um, the management side of things. Obviously, you've had to have relationships um, with something like the media. Hey, how are you? Uh, in terms of what you want to see going forward, with like media relations and, and the teams, how um, the type of role that I'll put us in the mix that we play or, or the larger local mainstream media or even more mainstream outlets like 
I don't know, CBS Sports, maybe, for example, um, in terms of bridging those together for an independent team like the Red Stars? I mean, I think we know that, and when I say we, I mean like the soccer, women's soccer community as a whole, right? We know that with more coverage comes more viewers, right? Like that is a, there's a very direct correlation between a lack of coverage and a lack of televised games and a lack of essentially a platform and the number of people that are able to watch. So that to me is, is, you know, it's, it's a very simple thing, right? We need to be in more places. We need to be on TV more. We need to find other ways um, to get out there because that's how people will see us and that's how people become fans and that's how people become supporters and then come to games. So your role, very important. (laughs) Very important to not only the success of the Red Stars, but the success of the league and the sport as a whole, right? Like without the coverage, without the support, I, it's, it's tough. Like it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it sure seems impossible. Um, so I, I can't say enough about, you know, how crucial it is to have what you guys do, which is a local, you know, red stars only, not to say you only talk about the red stars. Cause I know you, you guys expand out and and I appreciate some of the, some of the other, other lanes that you guys uh, dive into, but, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like to have this sort of um, home uh, from a broadcast perspective, right. For the red stars community, I think is, I mean, yeah, I cannot say enough about how important it is. Before we before we jump into just some some kind of Chicago rapid fire stuff, um, this is I think it's something that I am I'm realizing as we're having this conversation. But I also kind of knew um, going into this is one of the unique things about your position moving into ownership is I'm not sure we've actually seen a ton of people move into that role who actually already was a big fan. Um, we see a lot of people who uh, want to support women's sports and want to support, um, or even they maybe come in from a national team perspective of they're familiar with the national team and they want to support those players and all the players of the NWSL. Um, and you've mentioned a couple of times the idea of the women's soccer community, which we know very well, and that idea that it is dedicated and it is a little bit different in the conversations that we have within that community are different. And traditional sports conversations or traditional sports media isn't even necessarily the best avenue for that kind of stuff because what we are building is a little bit different. And so I guess I wanted to maybe ask you to speak on a little bit um, what you have found welcoming and enjoyable about the community, the fan community, whether it's the supporters group community or whatever else is happening there. And not only why that would make you want to push the league forward, but how fostering that is important as we go forward because the sport is getting bigger and it is having more money in it and more eyes on it and all of that sort of stuff. So I just wondered, wanted to get your perspective on from that, from that kind of angle. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the, the community part of it, um, I mean, one growing up as a player, I think there's, you know, there's so many that are a part of the community that are our former players themselves um, and sort of, understand the um that one that it's okay to be a girl and be ultra competitive right like i think that's something that society sometimes has told us is like not always okay but i'm here to say it's a hundred percent okay and that's literally how you can be successful is like you know follow that competitiveness that you have um so I think there's, there's something that, I mean, there's something that I see definitely in myself in the community. I think that's what probably attracted me from the beginning. I also think it's, from what I've seen, the community is very forward thinking, inclusive, kind of all of these ideals that we hope society as a whole strives for. And unfortunately, in so many ways, society falls short. 
Um, and, and we are not necessarily the ideal sort of <laughs> representation of everything that we want to be. Right. Um, and so I think that to me, it's a little bit of just like a, it's kind of this, I guess, yeah, like a microcosm of, of what I would hope that most communities are. And I also think it's, you know, there's so many other sports communities, especially obviously male dominated sports communities that have not always felt welcoming. Um, I mean, specifically just as a queer woman, like there's definitely been situations or, you know, just in sports, watching sports, being at bars, whatever it is, where, you know, it doesn't feel like a place that I might be safe or, you know, people who, who are like me might be safe, let alone people who don't look like me, right? People who are not white and not presenting as, as a cis woman, right? So I think for me, what's so cool about specifically the women's soccer community, I think, is just there's a there's a push for inclusivity. There's a push for being ahead of where the rest of sort of society seems to lie. Um, so I hope the whole world becomes more like the women's soccer community because I think we'd all be a lot better off, truthfully. Yes. Amen. We're going to church on this episode. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You love to hear it. Um, we usually close out episodes with a lot of Chicago chatter. Our, our favorite, oh, I know. Our favorite topic <laughs> right on this, uh, on this show, uh, the great city of Chicago. But we're related. We're going to relate it a little bit to, to community um, type stuff. Um, I, this is kind of a, a fun one that I throw up here. We kind of touched on it a little bit with the suburban, but Bridgeview, uh, the city of the village of Bridgeview, uh, people have opinions on it. Uh, there's perspectives. It, it's hard. It's tough. It's tough to UFF to get out there, uh, without a vehicle. Uh, what are some, what were some of your opinions on that? And, uh, what are your perspectives, uh, moving forward with that? Cause that's going to, they're going to be the permanent residents, right? Moving forward. And, uh, uh, primary, I should say, primary tenets uh, of SeatGeek moving forward. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm about, <laughs> if you're from Chicago, you're going to know what I mean when I say this, right? I'm sitting at 6,000 North. Mm -hmm. So I'm up there, right? Like I am, I am basically where Lakeshore Drive ends. So it's a hike for sure. Uh, definitely got to got to plan ahead. And usually, I hate to say this, but usually I'm running a little late, which now I gotta I gotta shape up, right? You gotta fix that now, yeah. <laughs> gotta, all right, I'm, Arnim's gonna be there with his watch, like, yo, hurry up. Um, no, but I mean, I think it's. Um, I mean, this the stadium is beautiful, right? Like, it's so cool to me that we have a dedicated place. Um, for the team. Do I wish it was closer? Absolutely. Because driving, you know, 45 plus minutes, not an ideal commute uh, as a fan, as an owner, whatever. Um, but uh, I haven't explored much of Bridgeview outside of uh, SeatGeek, to be honest. So maybe now uh, I will become a little more familiar with, uh, with the village of Bridgeview. But so far, I'm just a highway exiter pop over, and then I'm I'm back on uh, what is it, fifty seven? Yeah, fifty seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't even. I just it's all muscle memory by now, right? I'm yeah, like, right. It is muscle memory by now. Yeah, sure. I don't even know that. No, I do know the exit, but like that. That's about it. I just yeah, don't. yeah. I mean, we. I know Sandra and I have done some very sketchy like Google Maps searching of like places in the area and then we're like should we just should we just go up to reggie's okay we're just gonna go up to reggie's we're gonna yeah, yeah. Hit it on the safe, safe bet yeah, yeah safe bet you um, touched on this a little bit with with chance saying that he would maybe he's probably gonna come on back to a game and get in line for some chicken tenders but do you have a, a favorite game day food maybe not necessarily specifically from the vendors at SeatGeek, but in general like what's your what's your go-to game day food 
Man, so it it was from the vendors actually. So I've I've been vegetarian now for a year and a half, but when I was not, uh, those fire chicken tenders, like the ones with the hot, whatever that was, sweet chili sauce on them, I would I would go in that and some fries. That was that was my go to. Uh, that was my go to game day meal for sure. Yeah, can't can't lie. But I'm but I'm hopeful we'll have some. Uh, elevated vegetarian options now that's that's definitely something i'm pushing for since i can't have my chicken tenders anymore i'm just saying we sit in the press box man i mean yeah i mean <laughs> like we we love food too so uh <laughs> and i'll run you guys up some, some snacks right on right on oh man um something that we do with the players we're getting more into the rapid fire stuff uh we always like to end it out with this but i feel like uh you're someone who is spent a lot of time in Chicago. You are claiming Chicago until Chicago ends, right? So um, obviously I'm going to start with, I like, I think I want to get this one out the way first because I don't like ending on it because it's just like whatever, but um, we're going to go with another sport real quick. We're going to go with the sport of baseball. Uh, are you rocking Cubs or Sox? You said you're all the way in the North. And so yeah. oh, are you leaning one way or the other? Are you one of these people that's like, Oh, I'm Team Chicago. Like, what's going on? So, okay. So I lived in, I lived in Boys Town for like six years. And I, the year I moved out, well, I was living actually like two blocks from Wrigley when the Cubs won the World Series. Um, and not to say that's what pushed me out of the neighborhood, but I was a little over having people, you know, like coming outside at seven in the morning and like trying not to step in someone's puke. Or I, I worked in Wrigleyville during that run and it was a lot. It yeah. was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely chaotic. I mean, I remember the night they won. I, I literally could not get to, to my house. So I was like, I think part of me was just like, I'm also getting old, older. I was like, you know, this is, this is not it for me anymore. So I moved further north where it's babies and dogs and, you know, that's, that's about it. Um, so I guess I would have to say the Cubs, but also I, to be honest, like I'll, I'll root for, I'll root for the Sox. I have no problem. As someone who was not born here, I feel like I'm allowed to, to, you know, ride the line. You, you are. You are. I'm going to give that to you. It, and honestly, like, shout out to the players who actually do answer this question honestly. Like, the Chicagoland kids who always answer the question honestly. They're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be this or the other. But a lot of the ones who are neutrals are like, it's 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 a toss-up. It's it's whatever. Um, I'm going to, like, uh, segue a little bit. I know a lot of times we used to go, like, hot dog or pizza, but I actually want to narrow it down because I want to ask you – your pizza opinion. And I want it as a hot take because people have a lot of opinions on pizza. So we'll save that one next. But for now I threw in another sandwich and I want to know if you can only, if, when you were not a vegetarian, when you were not a vegetarian from what you can remember, uh, was it either going to be the Chicago style hot dog or like an Italian beef? Probably I live near Al. I used to live near Al's beef. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say the beef. Was never much was never much a hot dog fan in my in my later later years. So I'm I'm gonna have to go with the beef with that with the with the with the sweet hot peppers. Yeah, I'm going beef, but not dipped. Uh, that's fair. Something. I'm not a soggy sandwich kind of gal. That that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I I actually yeah. That's that would probably be my like uh, controversial Chicago take. You don't always got to get a dip, guys. You don't always have to get a dip. No. Can Can I say something controversial about the Italian beef though? Too too much bread sometimes. Very big bun. And that's people's counter argument. They're like, that's why you gotta get this. That's why right, right, right. Okay. No. Yeah. It is a it's a heavy it's a heavy go. There's I mean, better Yeah. It's like you're making a choice, but if it's if that's what you want, that's that's like the best thing there for sure. Yeah. No, I'll agree with that. I, I will say this also might be controversial. I there are better sandwiches in the city. I'll oh, yeah. just say that. So by far. By far, hundred hundred percent. Um, what is what is your opinion on Chicago pizza? So, if I'm going, if I'm going like true Chicago pizza, right? It's Connie's all day, every day. Really? Um, yes. 
oh man, I don't know about that, Colleen. That's interesting. But I'm, I, my mother raised me better, so I'm not going to be disrespectful, but all right. <laughs> it's Connie's. It's Connie's. They're, right. they're killing it, man. They're killing it. And they deliver like everywhere, <laughs> even though there's only one Connie's. Like that's, you know, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been a fan of Connie's since college and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I got I gotta go with Connie's. You're not gonna find me. I mean, yeah, you gotta go with doing, your partner. Uh, yeah. You're not gonna find me with a lose. No, it's not. I'm gonna tell you from one like Columbia College alum to another, Connie's was like always around. That's what I'm saying. I feel true. like I it was like always around. It's like, hey, come through to X X X X building and get some free food. And it's like it's like Connie's was there. That's See, so for us, yeah, for us at the Paul, it was always just Sarpinos just all over the place. So also I'll say maybe a little slept on. I hear yeah. a lot of hate about Sarpinos. I don't think it's that bad. Like I don't and also it's it's open till like six AM. That so. is that's the key. So this the whole like Sarpinos for me was always the pizza that you bought at whatever time you bought it and then you ate it the next morning yep. it was bre- you were like preparing for breakfast right exactly <laughs> and you maybe like forgot that you had it and you wake up and you're just like we have pizza you know so that's that's my sarpinos that's my uh my vote for sarpinos there but yeah there's a lot of things that are <laughs> the city shut down obviously due to the pandemic there's a lot of stuff that we haven't had access to but another hot take, another hot button I wanted to put is because a lot of a lot of museums in Chicago are always like on people's to do list. So I wanted to ask you, what is your least favorite museum to hit up? Like if someone is asking you for an opinion, like oh, like which X Y Z museum should I hit up? Which one are you telling them not to go to and go to instead? And which one are you telling them to go to instead? Man, that's. That's kind of tough because, like, I actually like our museum. No, I think they're all great, too. But, I mean, sometimes you recommend one over another. Like, if they only have one day and they can only hit up one spot. Um, damn. I told bring the heat. We're While just- she's thinking, can I just say that the last time I went to the Field Museum, it really messed me up. <laughs> they have... <laughs> What? They have that whole walkthrough where they're like talking through the extinction of events and stuff. And I was just like, man, this is dark. Brings you down, man. Yeah. It brings yeah. you down. I'm not trying to give Colleen any hints or help, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the the Field Museum could definitely use a little um a little boost, you know. We could we could we could bring it into 2021 a little more. Um, you know, maybe some new exhibits, some, you know, no no shade. They they do a lot of great stuff there. Um also I once got to go this is completely random about the museum, but I once got to go on a tour there and did you know in the basement I hope this isn't like a secret that I'm not supposed to say, but in the basement they have like over a million stored artifacts yeah the thing that people don't know about the field museum is that it's like it's like an iceberg where it's like 10 percent of it is museum and then they're really what they're what the reason that the field museum is so important is like all of the work that they do with the with the archives yeah yeah it was wild like to see all the stuff that's like not exactly like not on display um there's a ton of stuff they have a great program with like Chicago public school teachers that like to like if they want to like incorporate things in their classrooms shout out to my mom because like she was part of that program with her students and stuff that's the only reason why I know because like sometimes like when I was younger I'd have to go with her and like drop something off I'm gonna get a new piece to show my kids in their science center like so yeah I know we're talking like we're kind of we were kind of ragging up your museum to be like they need to know now I'm like but also like we love them but like we love but also like we love them but we also agree they need a little bit like they need a you know get a little facelift yeah well yeah exactly <laughs> um, um wait i want i want to jump one in because this is i just want to know uh personally i'm curious what is your favorite chicago music venue oh man okay so my very first internship was at the metro nice. so that will always that will always have a very near and dear place uh, in my heart. Well, I mean, I guess that would be number one. Yeah, I think I, I think I have to go Metro. I mean, I've had so many, there's so many good venues here and that's what's so, so another, of course there's so many sad things about the pandemic, but that's one that is like soul crushing to me because I think it's, 
especially independent venues in Chicago. Like, you know, you think of the hideout and like just so many cool little nooks and crannies in the city that live music was, you know, I say was like, it was years and years ago. It was only 12 months ago that we were, I was probably in one of them. Um, but it just, to me is like, it's something that we have to, we have to keep alive. I think it's such a, important and amazing thing that we have in this city is our music venues. Uh, fam, AKA listeners, eventually uh, we as a city and the community are going to have to build back from all this. And uh, I think I want to just take this moment to say, please remember our music scene and our arts and culture scene. It's going to be very, very important to build that back and sustain it um, as we come back from uh, the pandemic and COVID. Um, so just to end on maybe uh, something a little bit more hopeful, let's uh, let's shoot for the stars here. Um, t- putting on your your solely your Red Stars owner cap, uh, what is like your biggest aim? Like what's like some of the biggest wish list type stuff that you want to see happen for the Chicago Red Stars? No, no limitations. What what do you want to see for the team? Well, and number one, bring bring championships home to the city because it's coming it's for sure coming like i said i'm i'm a very competitive person so winning is not everything but winning is fun (laughs) so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say definitely bring home bring home championships i would love to be a you know pull like a 2000 and uh what was it like the warriors in like 20 14 to 2017 right like a full dynasty yeah like something crazy right like a back to back to back Mm -hmm. um so that's up there for sure i think uh beyond beyond championships i think just continuing you know the the push right now to open up the ownership group and diversify who represents the team on a leadership level, I think is a, is something that's extremely important to me. And I I think thankfully to all of the people who are involved. So continuing to grow that group to be as diverse as the city and, and totally reflect, um, you know, the community so that there's, you know, every voice at the table so that we can be the most well-rounded progressive um, inclusive team from, you know, the the top down. Right. Um, okay. Win championships, great leadership. What's my third one? If I had to pick one, sell out, sell out seat geek. You took it. You took it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm average (laughs) 20,000 average, average. Yeah. That's, that's number three for sure. Nice. I asked for it. I said aim, aim high. That's right. That's right. Love to hear it. Uh, Colleen Mayer's new owner <laughs> of Chicago Red Stars ownership group. Uh, we thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us. We appreciate you as always. You've been riding along with us for a long, long time. And now you're just riding along with us in a little bit of a different capacity. And we look forward uh, to continuing covering your team now and uh, quite literally and uh, working with you in the future and we hope to have you back on with us yeah thank you guys so much right on